0: back to the Lime Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's gorgeous conversation is with my friend, DJ Murakami. DJ is one of the strongest people on the internet. He is the founder of Strong Camps. uh, And the reason that I wanted to have him on is I've been watching him do something very interesting, referred to his bite training for the last couple of years or so, at least the last year and I've been experimenting with it and it is very fascinating. Um, Through engaging the jaw, uh, clenching, uh, biting down while doing performing lifts and just general athletic feats, um, you can increase your strength pretty dramatically. Uh, There is some various different research that's been published. You can look it up on PubMed that suggests that just through biting down, it can increase your grip strength by, I believe it was like 12.8%. Same thing with leg extensions. I've experimented with this quite a bit, doing pull-ups, doing push-ups, Uh, various different exercises and so I wanted to have the man himself who has been popularizing this on the internet on the show to discuss what the heck is going on there. We also discuss how to take a person that has been habituated to kind of the standard modern movement lifestyle uh, just sitting on chairs of various different forms throughout the day and start to integrate them into a more uh you say like primal mover or integrated mover or maybe functional mover all of these are kind of weird fluffy words Uh, but someone that is well equipped to do what our ancestors have done for a very long time walk run lunge squat throw uh, things of the sort. So, this conversation is very interesting and it also ties into a online program that we'll be launching where I break down the most concise way to bring a person from this largely chair inhabited lifestyle back into a place of feeling strong, comfortable, spacious, flexible. Uh, relieved of pain and also um, sovereign in their own body understanding if something hurts they have aches and pains they have tension rigidity something of the sort Uh, you have the tools to be able to address that so that will all be in the align method online program they'll be released in the second week of september so i just wanted to pick dj's brain on some of the tips and tools we could be integrating into that program appreciate you guys so much leaving us reviews on apple podcasts or itunes or wherever you do Uh, appreciate you doing you Uh, thank you for subscribing to this so you get each week's episodes thank you for just implementing the information sharing with your friends and uh, being here for it so let's get to it with my guy dj murakami dj murakami me up. Aaron, <laughs> thanks for having me on. <laughs> All right, so I just watched your webinar, and I found it very interesting around um, the effect of bite training, grip strength, and some of the very fascinating implications that are associated with it. One of the things that I found ridiculously interesting, and I've been experimenting with myself and found it to be very true, is clenching down is shown to increase grip strength by 12.3%. And rate of force development by fifteen point eight percent, based off of some research that we could cite the the stuff from from PubMed in here in the show notes. What the hell is going on with that, DJ? Yeah, it's a lot of research,
1: like thirty years, forty years. So they've tested it with clenching the jaw maximally, and it's increased twelve uh, percent, like you said. But also rate of force development, and that is um, the time it takes to increase to maximal force, and that's 15.8% and also time to peak force 20.15. So it, it's
0: incredible what it's doing. What the hell is happening?
1: Well, well this is what I kind of wanted to <laughs> figure out. Hmm. So if you ask people, they say, hey, this is a radiation, people are just squeezing things harder. But when you get yeah. down to it, it's actually CAP. So that's concurrent activation potentiation. So that's pretty much remote voluntary contraction of a distal muscle, which is enhancing the prime mover. So you could think of this like Valsalva maneuver, which we use in powerlifting. So you're squeezing the core. You can think of gripping, pretty much squeezing your hands. If you shake someone's hand and you grip the other hand, you're gonna shake the person's hand harder. Oh. So, you know, that's kind of like tension creating through the body. So how is this happening? It's caused by cortical overflow in the motor cortex. So they think that if you squeeze this different part of your body, that there's this overflow of cortical activity, and it's synergistically enhancing the activation of a different body part. So the cool thing, so you mentioned clenching the jaw. So that's one of the most studied, but in these concurrent activation potentiation studies they also showed that opening the jaw so maximally opening your mouth you know it does the same thing it increases the force output and we see these strategies kind of emerge in sport so without thinking about it people who are throwing think of uh, like cloak off during an olympic lift his mouth is wide open he's like roaring aggressively, like a lion, think of someone shot putting and think of this yell where you're opening your mouth. And then you go to the other side where there's power lifters who are clenching their teeth. They're straining, you can see their neck and jaw closed. Think of sprinters, you know, they're not opening their mouth during these gymnastics is another one. So a lot of these isometric holds cip, cyclical movements such as running you'll see the mouth closed and other activities, you'll see the mouth opened. So this jaw, if we look at the humunculus, you know, just the mouth in general, there's a lot of cortical Can you activity. H- humunculus, the little man, what the hell is yeah, that? Yeah, the, the little man in the brain. So you could look it up, humunculus, you'll see a map of, you know, the motor cortex, parts of the brain dedicated to parts of the body. And the tongue is huge, um, you know. Hands, thumbs are huge. It's got a, got a piece on him as well. <laughs> right, right. So, <laughs> but using the jaw, I think, is underutilized. You know, so we yeah. cue a lot of people brace the core, but I think the jaw and the mouth are something that everyone can connect to, and it's a it's an easy thing to uh, manipulate your force output, manipulate your performance and movement.
0: So there's so many interesting threads in there, and I'd love to kind of pick apart several of them. Um, One, what do you think is going on there with the jaw forcefully held open compared to being uh, clenched down? I know that there's like discussion around like the internal torque and external torque, and there's some activities where you'd want to be wide open and that's where you'd be deriving the most strength and output from that and other activities where clenching down would be the thing for layman's terminology and description like how would a person start to be able to grasp the difference between those two and i'm and i also understand that a lot of this is kind of like conjecture and and speculation and exploration but like what is going on with mouth open in sport compared to mouth closed yeah so if we just
1: kind of look at the patterns we see emerge in sport the mouth opening tends to correlate with explosive type activities think of like sending energy jumping throwing like the olympic lifts you know you're moving this weight over your head
0: I like, think like Michael Jordan, tongue out, mouth open, just floating over people. It's like he's not biting down, like doing like a grinding type activity. It's like this flow, concentration type thing. I'm just throwing in stuff. But that's an itch. Like that image of MJ tongue hanging open as he's like gliding over people is permanently imprinted in my mind. So that's like what's coming to mind with that. Oh yeah, exactly. It, it's this buildup of energy and then
1: sending and releasing during that jump yeah. in the air. So a few ways you can think about that. So
0: hold on, but that's sorry, that's, that's not the, the mouth wide open roaring thing like a power lifter or an Olympic lifter though. So those would be kind of different, different channels perhaps, right? I would actually say
1: the power lifter and the Olympic lifter are on two different sides of the spectrum. and. Okay. The Jordan jumping would be more on the Olympic lifter side. Okay. Because those you'll see the mouth open on the pole. We're on a pole and uh, powerlifting with a deadlift, you will see mouth closed. Right. Um, yeah. So you could look at it through internal and external torque. So a way, simple way to think about that is internal torque. There's a chain of muscles in the body that are medially contracting to send, uh, think about like hugging a tree, you're wrapping medially around the tree. And then external torque would be this lateral direction where you're ripping open, uh, think of a jump tearing apart. This also correlates with flexion and extension. And also the respiratory system with inhalation, exhalation, and the nervous system with uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic. So this mouth opening, aggressive, sympathetic, Uh, inhalation based that would be the mouth open in the jump and then the exhalation more parasympathetic exhalation position so that would be more flexion biased as far as the ribs and the spine that would be the mouth closed Mm -hmm. so those are the two extremes and you kind of see them pop up like this in sport where you're accessing movements that kind of use
0: those two different strategies Mm -hmm. so What could a person that's not necessarily like super nerdy about this stuff uh, at home, would they be able to tap into, oh, this is an appropriate time for me to go Olympic weightlifter about to pull a snatch and like, like mouth open roaring position. And this is an appropriate time for me to clench down to get optimal power or optimal, you know, effectiveness out of whatever I'm doing. Is there some kind of simple heuristics to understand how one could leverage Big, wide open, clenched down?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I think, you know, just clenching for most things will help. If you're in the gym, just basic bodybuilding, powerlifting type of stuff. Clenching down maximally during uh, your exercise or lift or even before because there's a coactivation with the neck that lasts well over uh, a few seconds. So just clenching during your rep will help. And if you want to, uh, you know, be mindful and protective of the teeth, you could use a standard boil and bite mouthpiece, I use a towel, I'll just put a towel in my mouth. It gives you feedback, something to bite down on. If you're gonna do something like uh, a jump, uh, Olympic lift, so uh, a snatch clean and jerk. So something explosive in nature, one like sort of priming you could do is place your hands You know right behind the top of your head and then open your mouth maximally against that resistance so your hands are pulling down on your head giving it weight and you kind of raise uh
0: your jaw apart against your hand Uh, and that's you know two things you could do yeah and then so you mentioned for for clarification you mentioned internal external torque did that originally derive from strong fit is that where, where those that, that like that terminology initially came from? And then also, can we clarify what that is? Because it's not just like internal, external rotation. It's actually, you know, finding a fixed position and creating rotation upon that position to create like this, like twisting of a rag type sensation from from my understanding of it, at least maybe that's maybe that's not an accurate, accurate description of it as well. But can we kind of clarify like what the heck that actually means torque in the body? Yeah, that's a big rabbit hole in itself. But uh, Julian Pinal of uh, StrongFit
1: kind of described this theory of torque chains. So groups of muscles that contribute to creating torque, like on a, the level of the organism, kind of systemically. Uh, in a lot of the exercise science literature, they're talking about torque as in like an isolated joint, and they're measuring the peak torque force. But in the torque chains model, it's more of the intent of the organism. So have you seen those like bendy old school spring bars? Yeah. It's like those sticks you try to close together.
0: Yeah. I want to get one of those. I see you using those all the time, the torque sticks or whatever, torque bars.
1: Yeah. I'll send you one of those. A lot of cool Blade. stuff you can do. Yeah. But you can um, squeeze those things supinated upward like a U you could turn your hands around pronated and squeeze them downwards. And if you look at it, your elbows, shoulders are rotating in two different oppositional directions for each of those, but you're still activating the pecs. You're still putting tension through the same line of muscles. So that's kind of an example of, you can't really describe this by position of the joints or even direction of rotation, but it's more by the um, tension of the muscles. And you'll notice if you're if you're compressing something, or squeezing it as hard as you can, um, no muscle works in isolation. So you'll feel certain muscles, pecs, biceps, you'll feel your feet start to kind of turn into the ground as your whole body contributes to maximally kind of creating this intent of crushing an object
0: so that's an example it's like the screw your screw your feet into the ground cue for a weightlifter or like breaking the bar if you're a you know bench doing a bench press or something you're creating that that external rotation you're trying to like bend the bar that would that would create a a a, a torquing or a a a, taking out any slack within the joint or that whole complex of joints by screwing your feet in the ground breaking the bar uh, or any of those type cues is that am i am i miss does that make sense or is that oh no exactly yeah so we have all these cues in order to
1: transmit the pretty much the feeling that we want onto another person right they're yeah. just practical cues but we want you to create that tension in your and, body
0: and with within that i was kind of thinking about this in relation to like okay this bite training stuff you're you're clenching down the jaw uh, and it's causing this, whether you call it irradiation, which apparently Sheridan uh, never made a, a law of irradiation, um, you call it concurrent activation, potentiation, you know, whatever you call it, it's causing your body to have access to Maybe it's is it recruiting more motor units? Is it some like neural drive thing or cortical overflow? It's like, like what is there a difference between the what people perceived Sheridan's law of irradiation and the the cap, the concurrent activation potentiation thing? Are those are they like are they similar? What is what is the difference between that?
1: I think people are describing the same thing, you know? Right. It's just a misnomer because Sherrington never had a law of irradiation. It was yeah. actually in Pavel Tsatsulini's power to the people. Power the people. He, he described that as Sherrington's Law and it got picked up in, in the scientific literature too. I think are not not in the literature, but textbooks, it just got repeated and picked up. But yeah, it was never a thing. But same thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I wonder within that, with with creating torque in the various different joint complexes through the body. So like the obvious one to think about that people have probably heard this cue before will be the screw your feet in the ground thing. So you've got your feet down on the ground, you might even have like a hip band or something, you're pressing your knees out wide. That's kind of taking up any slack around that that hip joint. But I, I wonder within that, if the bite training stuff and that like the cap, the concurrent activation stuff, if that's pretty much the same thing that's happening anywhere you're creating tension throughout the body or is the bite specific to greater amounts of power output you know what i'm saying
1: i think i know what you're saying so you're saying it will any increase in tension anywhere in the body contribute is the
0: is clenching your fist different than biting is the valsal maneuver different than clenching your fist is the creating torque in your hips by screwing your feet into the ground or breaking the bar with a bench press, is there any hierarchy of like, oh, you're gonna get the the most output out of one of these, or is just general activation of any aspect of the body? In
1: the studies on uh, CAP, it's the jaw is the the one to go to, but uh, combining them all is even better, Hmm. uh, which you have to do, in which you're gonna respond to a heavy load on your back by bracing everything in creating tension. Once again, people are doing this unconsciously. They're, they're gritting their teeth. But one more thing about the irradiation, the, the nuance that CAP adds that simply irradiating doesn't, which is like irradiation, you could think of just squeezing as hard as you can, everything, you know, that's really biasing internal torque medially, where with CAP, we could say, hey, we could do the opposite tension, which would be opening, extending, opening the jaw, opening the hands maximally, that's also CAP. Like you don't Mm. see runners gripping their fists as hard as they can a lot of times. You'll see them opening it. You don't see people jumping in the air by like flexing, gripping, or like you said, screwing their feet. They're actually opening everything up in this extension, triple extension uh, pattern. So, you know, with CAP, we could say, okay, which strategy of – uh using our joints and applying tension will uh
0: benefit our intended task we have ahead of us and so then what is it specifically from your research into all this what is it specifically about the jaw complex that is is different than spreading the hands wide or clenching the hands tight or any you know any other part in the body do you know anything about what what's going on there the like why the jaw i mean they're they're both beneficial it's all beneficial but i think the jaw specifically
1: to me it's easy to cue and transmit to other people it's just an easy thing bite your jaw people will understand that and also the jaw when we look at where it's located it's you know part of the skull it's connected to the spine it's connected to the midline to the trunk to the neck whereas the hand is a bit distal feet are a bit distal to the body um so it's a little more integrated into the the midline structure of the body and i think you maybe notice that on the pull-ups uh it, it really affects you know the the entire midline the core uh the ribs all of that
0: yeah so that's the really interesting thing so i've been experimenting with this i i learned the the tip to use a resistance band around your feet and I'll be posting a bunch of vi- <clears throat> videos about this around when we release this as well. So <clears throat> we'll probably do like a YouTube video about it as well. So putting a resistance band around the feet and then putting that band, it sounds like totally outlandish and ridiculous, but it, it's like unbelievable what it does. Putting that around the bottom of the jaw, uh, and then and then putting a like a rag or T-shirt or whatever you got over that so you're not just biting the band. Putting that back around the molars and now you have this resistance pulling the jaw down And it's, but it's not just pulling the jaw down, causing you to uh, reflexively, like pull it back, close your jaw, but it's also causing you to organize your cervical spine and begin activating that whole posterior chain. So that's the thing that's really interesting. It feels like suddenly, like there's a, there's a phrase that I've heard in like, I don't know, like handstand, gymnastic world, a tight body is a light body. And so Mm -hmm. it takes like a kind of like a potentially kind of floppy, flaccid spinal erectors and kind of like... it turns you into this like um, I don't know. It's like a lightning bolt up your spine, and that whole spinal segment from cervicals down to your tail, it all just becomes like one innervated piece, and suddenly everything just feels dramatically lighter. I would just recommend trying it at home, like mm-hmm. today. Just give it a shot and see how it goes. It's super, super interesting. It's like a, you know, it's like a parlor trick almost. And so, yeah, within that, I, I, I guess that would be the next kind of kind of dissection or exploration is like do you think it's it's more the the actual clenching of the jaw itself and there's some type of neuromuscular you know something happening there with like maybe like the brain or like the cortical out- overflow thing or whatever or do you think it's more of like a spinal organization type conversation that you're creating this activation of the posterior chain and also elongation of of the spine where you might have had like this crimped forward head posture, mm-hmm. you know, upper crossed syndrome thing before with your neck when now suddenly you have this elongation and your body like trusts you to have access to more power.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want it to be too esoteric, but the, the jaw clenching is, is proven to increase force output, the band anchored around the jaw and then around the feet. So that one is a bit different because we had a group of people over 25 people test doing pull-ups before and after using it, and the reps increased, perceived amount of effort decreased. People are getting more range of motion when they're doing it with the band. And I think it's simply maybe just like RNT, reactive neuromuscular training. Like you're giving them, you're pretty much giving them a floor to push against. Mm -hmm. And you're able to lengthen through the jaw, through the feet, which is pretty much the ribs and hips so you're able to get into that more like you said that sh- straight line position uh, which they teach in gymnastics which is just going to decrease energy leaks when you're pulling so you have a more organized locked in structure
0: which just makes things easier i think it's just the feedback you're giving yourself yeah and that's uh, more like description of what acronyms and such for the the R&Ts. Reactive neuromuscular training—that's what you might see people at a gym do. Maybe that they have like a resistance band around somebody's knee or hip if they're collapsing into a position. They'll kind of add some resistance to that to that place to provide feedback so the person can push into the band and kind of correct what's you know what was happening with that with that position before. Is that right? Is that what RNT is?
1: Yeah, it, it's giving you something to fight against, to push against, yeah. and yeah, it's interesting in the pull-up because you're giving your feet something to push your body tall against but it's not assisting you it's attached to your own body (laughs) so you're kind of bootstrapping that yeah it's interesting
0: I want to take a moment and share one of my absolute favorite protein rich snacks. Those are the beef sticks from Paleo Valley. Why do I like Paleo Valley? Uh, typically, I don't promote meat at all. That's something you won't really hear me talk about. Uh, I am a very strong proponent of regenerative farming, and that is exactly how they do it at Paleo Valley. They are, the cows are 100% happy, 100% grass fed. Um, they do a process where they cycle them from different plots of grass to keep them circulating which actually is a net positive for carbon emissions each year it sequesters carbon from the atmosphere Um, they are also they're not using any preservatives or any of the bs they have a natural fermentation process so it's got really just an amazing blend of probiotics in there as well healthy fats it's such a rich snack to engage with and that's why I like it. I eat them pretty much every day and I think you guys will appreciate them as well. You can get yourself 15% off by going to paleovalley.com align. That's p-a-l-e-o-v-a-l-l-e-y.com slash align they also have a plethora of other delicious snacks uh, and i think you're going to really enjoy them i think it's a, an amazing company i stand behind them 100 it's healthy it is vitamin and mineral and healthy fat and protein rich And it'll make a difference in you and your family's life paleovalley.com slash align for 15 off i'd like to take a moment and talk about amino acids on episode 383 i talked about essential amino acids like kion aminos being one of the best hacks for muscle growth if you really want to understand just how vital amino acids are for building muscle think about your body and what it's made of you probably know that it's mostly water what you probably don't know is that everything else all of your solid mass is 50 percent amino acid acid. This is why Kian Aminos is a fundamental supplement for fitness. I drink aminos every dang day for energy, muscle, and recovery. Kian aminos is backed by over 20 years of clinical research, has the highest quality ingredients, no fillers, no junk, undergoes rigorous quality testing, and tastes god dang amazing with all natural flavors. So if you want to naturally boost energy, build lean muscle, and enhance athletic recovery got to get yourself some Kion Aminos. You can now save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases by going over to getkion.com align. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash align. That is 20% savings on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. Getkion.com align. What do you think the relevance of this is in relation to health beyond just having a 12.3 percent increase in grip strength and just feel like a like a, a subjective sensation of feeling dramatically lighter and stronger in an instance like a like a parlor trick like I guess a question that I have is is does this overlay well into a person's life beyond having a rag in their jaw and like doing the exercise like after the fact, can you recruit these muscles and it be something that's actually like sustained change or does it kind of stop at a at a parlor trick where you're stronger for a few reps or does there become a dependence on i need to have the rag in my mouth in order to be able to access this strength
1: you could look at it a few different ways so how i personally use it in my coaching is if someone's doing a pull-up you know and i want to clean it up instead of over cueing getting too conceptual I don't want them to think too much. I'll say, hey, bite your T-shirt and pull tall against it. They do the rowing or the pull-up, it improves. And I say, take it out of your mouth, recreate that. And then I'm like, yes, that's what I'm looking for. So it's just giving them the experience that they can then recreate on their own. Hmm. So it's it's just a kind of a teaching tool. Um, there are people who sell like the performance mouthpieces and they say, it helps with alignment, it helps with all these other things which the, the research really doesn't support. I mean, you could use a standard boil and bite mouthpiece. So getting stronger progressively with something like the bite is going to make permanent changes. But if you get into the <laughs> like the mewing crowd, they might say that, hey, this is a big deal because our jaws, mandibles tongue posture, all these things are very underdeveloped and they affect the nasal airways, how you organize your body posturally, all these other things. So they would probably uh, make an argument that health-wise in general, it's an important thing to train.
0: What are some of the tools for people to tinker with? Because there's like the, what is the gum called? Mastic gum? Is that what it's called? There's yeah, mastic gum. Mastic gum. There's like the the jaw trainer. Things that people have probably seen on YouTube. Jaws or size. Jaws or size. Should we be jaws or sizing? Like, what are what are the tools (laughs) that are actually relevant for starting to develop a person's jaw strength?
1: Right. Yeah. I think the biggest thing in modern times is our diet of soft processed foods has Mm. changed our morphology of our face. So it's not like a genetic thing. It's not like oh, evolutionarily we're having smaller heads and mouths and jaws it's literally just we're born and we don't use it like we used to because of our diet so our you know teeth are affected jaws affected all that so easiest thing is just chew tougher foods (laughs) maybe some raw carrots uh tougher cuts of meat beef jerky like you said mastic gum uh something you could order you'll chew it it's like a sap from a tree pretty much that's dried it's like the resin So you chew it your jaws will get very fatigued very sore you could treat it like training do it for five minutes progress to 10 minutes a day progress up there's even another one called phallum gum f-a-l-i-m which is a bit softer so that's somewhere you could progress and then things like trying to keep your nasal breathing more with your mouth closed you know little things that add up throughout the day also this band uh, we talked about putting it in your mouth near your molars, your tongue is under that. So there's an opportunity to drive the tongue upwards towards the root of the mouth. And man, that's something if you haven't done before will fatigue very quickly. But it's almost deep into the esophagus, like in your throat, almost like you want to gag, but these mm. muscles light up. And that's something uh, once again, just looking at everything objectively, the mouth, the jaw, these are joints with associated muscles like anywhere in the body. So I think we should get everything stronger that we can there, you know, there's
0: never it's weakness is never a benefit, right? It's interesting thinking that the, the face of modern people is atrophying. I think there's so many parts of the body we don't think of as actually even like having musculature. Like I looked up the the uh, muscles that open the jaw anterior digastric, mylohyoid inferior head of the lateral pterygoids, if anyone's ever on jeopardy this is one of those things that think of like what are the muscles that open the jaw and we just we just kind of like oh it just ha- it just it just is you know it's like we're you know our 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 facial structure or the muscles of our feet you know would be another place that it's just kind of atrophying and withering away and it's just kind of like uh oh, you know whatever it does it doesn't really pose an issue until you have to like see a surgeon or something like that. Then suddenly it, it comes up onto the, right. into the platform of, of, attention. But it's just such a fascinating thing that you referenced in your, in your program that it was Daniel Lieberman, who um, he was suggesting that I think it was just like in the last 300 years, our faces and the, the strength and, and robustness of our masters and jaws has significantly uh, decreased. So just in the last like few hundred years, our literally our faces are kind of like withering away into 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 goo because we're you know, we've converted into eating eating goo essentially instead of actually like using our, our mouths. And then when you see how the our the strength of our jaw and then also something I, I learned recently from your program as well was the, the gonial angle can you get into the, the the gonial angle and how that relates to grip strength and again just more connections of like the face and the jaw and how it's it's not just a face and a jaw it's it's you know it's also affecting the rest of the body right
1: so the gonial angle is the angle from the bottom of your jaw and up so like a person with a longer face is going to have a larger gonial angle so something we know is that, The position of the, so occlusion, which is pretty much your bite position. So occlusion of the mouth and the jaw is correlated to posture, but also changing your posture changes your jaw. So it's kind of this dance between those joints and aligning. And the two kind of variables in the studies of force output and jaw strength are that how hard you're clenching is a factor, and also the position of your bite is a factor. So those are the two things that affect performance and force output. So the the gonio angle, that's one of the major um, things that affected the strength was what is the angle of their jawline, essentially. Mm. And this is also the one thing that is most like visually striking about a person is that jaw angle and man, the before and afters, uh, if you look on YouTube of like, people doing mewing or orofacial facial uh, myofunctional therapy, like these type of dentists who are, you know, trying to widen the, the mouth and do exercises with the tongue and the jaw, the before and afters are pretty crazy. I mean, like you said, we, we have the power to, we know we can build bigger biceps, broader shoulders through hypertrophy. But you know the same thing applies to the face. Uh, we could kind of change that structure through uh, training, and yeah. yeah, it's pretty interesting.
0: So I, I think that at some point I'd like to talk as as well about like specific exercises that people can be doing if they want to start cultivating their own jaw strength and bite strength. Uh, but another factor that is very interesting within that is that you'd mentioned tongue posture. And how can a person get more uh, global strength from their body through uh, positioning of the tongue? Is there like an ideal tongue posture? Why does that matter? Is that associated to jaw strength as well? Uh, Like where does the tongue come into that conversation? So
1: as far as I'm aware, they didn't look at that aspect in a lot of the studies and, and they just don't control for it but mm-hmm. i'm guessing just in terms of like we were talking about clenching the fist valsava maneuver clenching the jaw driving the tongue upwards that's just another thing that's going to contribute to tension and also it's a thing people naturally do if your if your tongue is off the roof of the mouth you're probably a little lax yeah. up there and so there's less tension and then when you're, when you're straining you're kind of creating a sort of a vacuum in the mouth. So think of like a suckling or sucking on something. So that hold that suck. And that's kind of going to activate the neck, you're going to feel a little more locked in, and you're going to create a sort of vacuum. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I interpret as the Valsalva maneuver of the upper <laughs> body, and then we have the pelvic floor and diaphragm down here that's creating a different vacuum. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty much the same thing. It's just going to help increase integrity and force output. But like I said, that if you talk to the mewing crowd, they'll say their whole uh, uh, righteous,
0: correct tongue position and posture. Well, uh, so but they, who knows? <laughs> yeah, their their perspective on that. I mean, it's not just just mewing, but the, but like that 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 general perspective is. The suggestion, which I I think makes a ton of sense, is the tongue acts as like a natural retainer in a way. And so Mm. you have this kind of inward pressure of the muscles around your face from the outside, and then you have the the tongue pressing up against the maxilla or like the upper jaw situation or upper palate. That tongue pushing out, it creates space within Mm. the nasal cavity, and it's kind of like it creates like the roof. And if that's just collapsed down, especially, uh, through childhood, you know, and if you're not suckling, you know, and breastfeeding and you're using a bottle again, that's like the bottles, like the beginning of that atrophying is instead mm-hmm. of you doing the work to, to, to s- suck milk from your mother's breast, it's just kind of being squirted into your mouth. And you just had to kind of have this, like, it's the beginning of this atrophied slack jaw situation where It's just kind of, uh, you just hang there and allow, nutrients to go into your face you know and so and so you know within that any person at home if you're if you are breathing you know with your mouth open obviously your your tongue's not going to be up on the roof of your jaw if you just close your jaw and start you know breathing or, or like you mentioned like clenching doing something hard you're naturally going to have that that pressing of the tongue up against the roof of the mouth so it's i think that there's that the, the cap the cap conversation in there and there's also like the vacuum conversation like a pressure conversation in there and then there's also this this natural uh retention device creating spaciousness within your cranium through that creating that upward pressure against the maxilla It's so, in and, and and i think it's like these these systems it's like they're concurrent systems you know and the body works in this beautiful orchestra and when you're just you're in alignment you know all it's it's There's you know there's there's tens or hundreds or thousands of systems that are all working in symphony, but when we kind of take ourselves out of that and we try to put it back together piecemeal system by system, it's just it's like too complicated. But when you find that 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 you know that I think like that moment of putting the the band around your jaw and and clenching down and pulling back and feeling suddenly like everything feels stronger, I think it's like you know it's like a whole symphony of actions that are happening in there. It's alignment it's electricity it's it's neurology it's a lot of different things <laughs> i like that
1: yeah i mean to add yeah. another
0: layer it's the anatomy trains would say you
1: know that whole fascial line you're you're closing the the chain essentially when yeah. you're putting the tongue on the roof of your mouth so yeah that, there's probably something to it if all these different systems and models are pointing toward the same action right yeah
0: there's also uh, like like children with like tongue tie you know, where the, right. the tongues are like stuck down there, it can act as like a pull through that whole, I don't know if it's as clear cut as like the anatomy trains. I've had Tom Myers on here a bunch of times, uh, but like the anatomy trains deep front line where it's just directly pulling exactly the way they cut that deep front line out with us with, you know, with, with a scalpel. But, you know, that upon the release of that tongue tie, suddenly they're, movement patterns will, will change. And it's like, Oh, I can create like this freedom in the body. So it's not just ex- isolated to just one specific place. It really is going down through, you know, the esophagus and the heart, the pericardium and the, the diaphragm and the psoas and the adductors. Like you really can c- draw very clear, continuous connections and the idea that these are their own systems like, extracted out as, as muscle bellies, that's all novel to, to textbooks. Like, the body has no relationship to individual muscle bellies. It just understands global relationship to the whole. And so it's, a, it's an interesting thing trying to wrap our minds around these individual, like I just, you know, spouted out the three depressors of the jaw, you know, the inferior head of the lateral pterygoid, whatever, you know, whatever bullshit. Body has, doesn't know anything about that. You know the body just just knows chains of movement and, and relationships throughout the whole. I'm sure you've thought about about that before. It's kind of an interesting thing, like overlaying the way that we've the two dimensional way that we've learned about the body, and then coming into actual relationship with the, the, the way that the body actually works. There's like some friction there.
1: Yeah. Well, we it's language we invented it conceptually. I mean, we actually just discovered another muscle in the jaw. And by discovered, they said, oh, let's actually differentiate this tissue Right, we cut because out the fibers one. are lining up. Right. So <laughs> there's no such thing as a muscle. That's something anatomists drew with a scalpel on a cadaver, like an yeah. artist. Like we yeah. created that and then we named it, but yeah. it's not there in reality. We're just <laughs> part of yeah. everything. Everything's connected. So yeah, we can sometimes get too lost in the, the pieces and forget the whole...
0: So what have you, what have you found, find a deeper relationship with having a, a more rad experience with your, your body? Like what's worked for you to come into feeling better in your body, feeling stronger, feeling lighter, feeling just like more at home in your body.
1: Yeah. I think, um, going back to, um, tension and orienting tension, I had to, um, forget pretty much erase the constraints of you know the the cultural baggage behind how i was supposed to move so good form bad form um which as much as i intellectually kind of philosophically whatever knew that it's so like ingrained in me that you know a long time it's always like i got to keep my shoulder blades down and back i have to do this and do that and things like this, where you're just, you're not queuing position, but you're giving someone the task of them just reacting and creating tension against something. I'm trying to follow that a lot more. So mm. for myself and for others, less queuing, less being married to a position um, and more giving them more solutions of tension, which when you introduce these tension, it's just going to give them a better relationship to their own body and then you have more solutions to solve the task of moving with which i think yeah. in the end the more information
0: the more uh strategies and movement you have the better yeah the body does does well around organizing some like external goal or like extrinsic focus like just get like that's how a baby learns how to move you know that baby wants to put something into its mouth Typically, you know, or reach out with its hand or just wants to roll its body over, you know. So there's not like a there's no awareness of spiral line, deep front line, you know, hip torque, concurrent activation, anything. It's just get my mouth over there, get my hand on that, put that in my mouth, and it's perfect. <laughs> it just manifests perfectly (laughs) so it's it's like re-implementing some of those and then i think we kind of can end up messing it messing it up and like as an adult start well not messing it up but but as an adult you're like cool i'm gonna i'm gonna start to to practice these developmental patterns you know and it's like it's like great but like be careful about dogmatizing it and structuring it too much because like essentially the whole thing is it it is like this playful exploration, you know, and to actually truly be in a playful exploration, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of letting go of a lot of the the story of how we're supposed to do the thing, you know, and just really truly being in the moment and, and, uh, you know, kind of allowing the, the, the body and the mind and, you know, the relationships, whatever it may be to kind of like self-organize. No, exactly. my,
1: my defense personally against that because there is all this information and all these quote-unquote functional ways of moving and functional drills functional systems yeah so my way of navigating that is okay does it make me stronger <laughs> can i do more and that, and that's a cool thing with the uh implementing the bite and those strategies is immediately you feel stronger you have a more force output and it's that's all the explanation you need. You feel it great. Use it instead of, ah, you're just not moving the right way. Like maybe we'll work on getting you more functional and then things will be better. Um, you know, I like immediate,
0: immediate feedback to improve whatever I want to do. What are other things that you've discovered to, to create like high leverage shifts in strength flexibility? strength or flexibility in a short amount of time and in, in all of your you seem it, it seems to me observing what you at least post on the internet seems like you are enamored by like a lot of uh, old wisdom and also like kind of fringe ideas in a sense it's not it doesn't seem like that like the whatever's the the norm of like the the present accepted concept it seems like what you're more interested in at least what you like post about on the internet seems to be kind of the stuff on like the the fringes and things that people were excited about like 150 years ago or a thousand years ago or something (laughs) is there any other stuff that that stands out which I I share that as well hence why I'm like excited to have this conversation with you but is there any other kind of standout techniques or concepts or ideas or anything that's been like oh like that was that surprised me
1: yeah I guess going back to just setting up environmental constraints to produce the type of movement we want tools like i said that torque stick i use that a lot with people because Mm. you put it in their hands have them compress it and immediately they're organizing their structure to create the internal torque and then i have them do a lunge a squat a hinge with it and then say okay let's recreate that with our exercise with the weight now that's a practical one
0: with internal torque and external torque are there specific exercises that would be that you could like draw out that'd be like these exercises for people that don't still understand what that exactly is or, or means like are there is like would a deadlift be considered one version of internal external torque would a bench press be one would walking be some version of that would that be kind of like a collection of both
1: yeah so i mean until you get Julian Pinal on, which you you should, I'll I'll try to explain, but so it depends. So the cool thing about, once again, the thought of there's multiple strategies to complete a task. So when you're talking about a deadlift, well, you could do a, you know, RDL, closed stance, conventional deadlift, which would be more internal torque, or you could do a sumo deadlift, which would be the opposite external torque. And you could feel this is where you're what you're kind of doing with your body you're doing the opposite tension when you're completing lift at least that's the goal you know a lot of people will sumo deadlift in, internal torque and then coaches will try to cue them out or modify it elevate it so they can get into what i would consider external torque so there's there's kind of a mobility that you could access each torque through the body so you have to modify it to uh, maintain the torque you're looking for i guess uh, another one would be and, and an interesting what falls into that and what strong fit uh proposes is a squat is really two movements it's a hinge into a jumping pattern at the top hmm. so it's really internal torque into external torque And this transition is where you'll see the the valgus kind of in and out twitch the knee cave and out that you'll see uh, Olympic lifters do, especially the, the Chinese Olympic lifters really utilize this. And it's also that kind of sticky point midpoint. And you see this on pressing, you'll see this on squatting. It's this transitionary period where if you want to look at it, um, anatomically or biomechanically, the femur is actually changing rotation during a part of the lift. So yeah, it's interesting all these patterns line up, and this is just another lens to program, assess,
0: or categorize training. So would the internal external torque, would that be something that would be a person just like walking? Would that be something it would be oscillating in and out of internal and external torque? I not I don't I don't fully grasp the internal external torque idea myself. And maybe maybe I should just talk to to, to um, Julian who like came up with the idea. But is that so? Would that be kind of the way that it would it would work? It would be like as you're moving, it's you're oscillating in and out of that as you're going, and that's kind of what creates that like forward motion and that that, that yeah. Is that, is that how it goes?
1: Well, so Julian would say that walking or running locomotion is internal torque. So an easy an easy way to visualize it is you're pressing a sandbag overhead or a baby or a box that you're putting up on a shelf, it's something in between your hands, you're compressing it, you're squeezing it, you maybe feel your, your pecs turn on, and you're lifting it overhead. Hmm. That could be a barbell, and you could be ripping it apart, and feeling opposing tension through your body. But if we were to put you under an x ray, and take snapshots, you'd say, Oh, they're both the same thing, because the joints are going in the same uh, positions, the same path, but in reality you're creating different tension through the implement one's compression and the other one you're ripping apart mm. so that's why it um, it's really helps to clarify the tension over just the position you're creating you know it's yeah. a, they're both associated and they'll uh, bias each other but um the tension is experientially I think what we're trying to relay in terms of coaching or queuing. And it's the thing that elite level athletes don't think about. (laughs) People who move well and are performers aren't always the best teachers because they kind of have to reverse engineer. Oh, how did it look when I do that? Okay, make the shape I'm making and get to the next shape. When I think... We really don't have the devices or technology to measure, like you said, the nervous system, these other things, like what are they really experiencing that's causing them to perform the way they do
0: intuitively by feeling. want to take a moment and share a pretty ridiculous deal. Tune in for the end because you can redeem a free bag of Kalima salt. This is no joke. It's just $5.99 for shipping. Get a full bag of Kalima salt. And also they have a 100% money back guarantee. So you can go check out their page right now if you want alignsalt.com. Now I'm going to tell you why this stuff matters. Every year, humans dump 8 million tons of plastic garbage into the ocean. Which is unfortunate because it's exactly where your table salt comes from. This garbage breaks down into tiny pieces of plastic called microplastics, and salt from the ocean crystallizes around these microplastics, which becomes the core of most salt crystals. Which means when you sprinkle it onto your steak or veggies or fries, you are literally eating tiny pieces of plastic bags, water bottles, and other garbage. According to a study published in Environmental Toxicology and Chemistry, the average adult consumes approximately 2,000 microplastics per year through salt. That is enough to create an entire credit card. Kalima Sea Salt is some of my absolute favorite salt on the planet. Uh, it tastes delicious. Uh, it's completely free of ocean-borne microplastics. And uh, you get your first bag free. It's all harvested from the Kalima Salts flats in Mexico. So you'll be supporting the Salineros by purchasing. salinero. and be like a person that harvests salt someplace in Spanish. Uh, So jump over to Align Salt dot com and scroll to the bottom of that page it is a robust scroll you got to scroll all the way to the bottom they got to sort that out but oh well you're getting a free bag of salt so scroll to the bottom of the page and uh, redeem a free bag to give it a try i think you guys are gonna really love this i really do genuinely like this salt a lot Uh, alignsalt.com enjoy your free bag of kalima sea salt wanna take a moment and share something that is an absolute needle mover for sleep that is supplementing with magnesium. The reason magnesium is relevant to supplement with in the first place is because it is largely deficient in modern day soil my go-to choice for magnesium is from buy optimizers the reason I like this stuff so much is it contains all seven different forms of magnesium uh, it's sourced incredibly well I know the founders of the company personally I trust them I think they're fantastic I think they really give a dang and I think this stuff is important for you to try if you're interested in getting yourself a 10% discount you can go to magbreakthrough.com/ align. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K T-H R O U G H dot slash align podcasts. You can use code Align10 to boost your intake of magnesium and start feeling better today. Start sleeping better. Start relaxing and restoring and repairing those muscles of yours. I think you guys are gonna dig this stuff, magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. 10% off. Yeah. I wonder, so for, for, I wonder your perception, I'm in the process of, um, writing a a program. So essentially the way it, the way it's broken down as of now is, is, um, the second week is focusing on essentially like a joint by joint approach of creating full range of motion of each joint, you know, joint by joint and then also having integration exercises with that the next week being upper body and then it would be the first the third week would be upper body and then during that time frame it would be mostly like sagittal plane um, frontal plane you know transverse like a, a bit of rotation but not so much like the multi movement which is like life and then the last week would be exclusive or will be exclusively focused on that integration of contralateral movement, you know, and various different implementations of that. And, and so I I wonder from your perspective, like how does a person that has grown up in a world where it is very, you know, largely just kind of, um, you know, we, we kind of move like robots in a way, like we've, we've trained ourselves out of being hunting, gathering, Walking, running, throwing—like, how does a person start to bridge that gap to go from kind of that, like, machine mover back into an integrated, like, human animal type mover that that walks and runs and throws and jumps?
1: Oh, wow, that's a that's a big question, Aaron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of people who have very definite answers to that. Yeah, if you look on Instagram, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think as far as there being an end destination or right, correct one, a proper functional way to move, man, we're just so adaptable. And I think just like you're doing, you know, you have a program with different constraints that's going to produce new information. Like we're going to do this movement in the frontal plane, which is going to, which is totally arbitrary, right? Like we're creating a plane, a line and in the world, a border, and then we're following where that leads us. And I think that's the important thing is, okay, oh, wow, now I'm doing something different. I'm getting different information, which is more information. And then we learn something. We have more capacity. So I think that's kind of what everyone's doing is they're creating these constraints that are producing novel ways of movement. And that's always going to be a good thing because you're going to learn more about yourself.
0: So your perspective with... If the goal is to get a person back into running, jumping, throwing, you know, things of the sort, you would start a person in just making sure they have like baseline sagittal plane being push, pull, squat, have all that sorted out. And then you, you suggested moving into frontal plane. What would your order of operations, if you were building back, office worker steve who's been sitting on a computer for the last 20 years and mm-hmm. sits on a bus and watches netflix at home on his couch and then sits in his car and poops on a toilet and sleeps in a bed that's you how know, strange three and a half feet yeah you know and so like like office worker steve like how do you start to re-expose or reintegrate office worker steve into like human animal steve-o <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's well, the order of operations for that
1: yeah i'm starting everyone out especially at gen pop at uh just sagittal plane movements and then progressing if they wanted to to especially if they're an athlete to um, frontal plane and then lastly transverse plane which is going to be the most demand
0: can you describe that what, what that what that translates to as well what is what is frontal plane as far as movements what is sagittal what is what is frontal what is transverse like what does that actually look like for for office worker steve
1: so think of sagittal think of like common uh, a squat a push straight up and down movement frontal plane would be like a side lunge now you're stepping displacing your center mass onto the side and then uh transverse is going to be more rotational so you're taking your center mass and you're winding it in a uh, one direction or the other and yeah i uh, most people just want to like look good feel good i'm keeping them sagittal <laughs> i'm just keeping them there but yeah for like optimizing human peak performance uh, it, it's everything and honestly everything you do even walking you're using all planes of motion you're accessing all of them yeah,
0: yeah everything's multiplanar. well even doing up even like any motion that you're doing for the most part requires rotation through the joints like most every you know you you just taking your leg through basic gait pattern is multi-planar like the, the, the the shape of your calcaneal tendon like spirals into the calcaneus like in order for you to have forward motion and not get stuck in your body it requires a certain level of swiveling so when you get into it it's like oh yeah like we are all we're we're always going through all those all those motions from a like a a micro level it's just from the gross level it looks you know it can look a little robotic
1: yeah even moving like a robot there's a lot of rotational uh, action just to get your
0: arm in a straight linear line from the outside right if you can robot well like you're you were spiraling son like you (laughs) Like if you can robot well, yeah, it's when you don't robot well that it's like actually chunky. But for you to have any level of fluidity with your movement, it means that you are just swiveling. Popping and, and locking. You know, yeah. yeah, all the ways. <laughs> and so then, okay, so th- that's an interesting thing. So really, when you said, I, I feel like you probably wouldn't keep people in a frontal plane. I feel like even like most anybody you would work with, I feel like you would be entering rotational patterns. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, based on like what I post, or <laughs> yeah, so not that I'm like disappointed or, or have you know any I don't I don't give a shit what you, what you do with that, but I just would assume that you'd be like getting people into some rotational stuff, so, but or, or you be you be getting you'd be getting office worker Steve into rotational stuff.
1: First of all, a lot of what I post is feats of strength. Yeah, right. I get that. <laughs> that I tried for the first time and never yeah, tried again. That. Yeah. Um, because it looks cool and I like trying new cool things yeah the majority of the people i train online are trainers so we're gonna do more of that stuff but yeah for my gen pop clients i'm doing mostly just sagittal plane movements i'm not going into transverse or frontal um and a lot of it's just bilateral basic stuff
0: and then how for if we're but so but we're trying to we're trying to turn Office worker Steve into, into Savage. Primal Stevo. Yeah, Sav- 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 Savage Stevo. And so so he's going to, we're going to kind of build up into more of that like rotational pattern stuff and that like the, the transverse plane and, or more just like multi movement in general. So within that, and that might look like some type of like lunging pattern thing that might be, we're doing like Turkish get up stuff that could be, you know, different exercises look a bit like that. Where do you implement or add in? uh some of these other like almost like nervous system hacks or like stabilization techniques what is the valsalva maneuver and and when do you so that's a question of itself and then how do you like overlay some of those techniques in is that like day one we're going to teach you how to hinge we're going to teach you how to squat and a part of that is going to we're going to understand like breathing mechanics within that or how do you how do you start to layer layer that in with a client
1: yeah, Well, for, for scuba, Steve, I wouldn't go too deep into I wouldn't go over any of that, really. I'd use, once okay. again, these practical tools that I could give them that immediately put them into the position and tension that I'm looking for. So like the torque stick, day one. Hinge, here's a task. Create this tension when we do it. Got it, good. Rowing, pulling, bite the t-shirt or band in. Without cueing, immediately they kind of feel how they're orienting their tension. I'm like, okay, that's the strategy we're going for on these. You know, modifying the exercises, adding a box, whatever it takes to coach as little as possible and give them a felt sensation of, uh, you know, sensory motor competency, if you want to call it, the f- mm. feeling of how to move. Um, that's what I would do personally.
0: And we, and so that's a that's a cool cue. So you have people bite a their like lift their. Hopefully, it's not a t-shirt they really love, but lift their t-shirt up, put it in their mouth, and bite their t-shirt while they're going through. Which movement patterns would you be recommending the, the t-shirt biting scenario for? So this is the same
1: thing as concept as the band anchored around yeah. the feet, which you could also do. But any um, any sagittal plane movement, so rows, pull ups, push ups, um, shoulder press. Anything where I just want them to stand in that sagittal plane and move,
0: cool. And then, and then for something else that I've I found, so I tried to do the band around the feet and then in the jaw for a squat, and I found it to. Oh no, sorry, it wasn't a squat. It was a military press, uh, but I found it to not be helpful at all. It was actually just just like distracting and annoying. So, and then I heard you talking about what you would do in that scenario would be you'd, you'd like attach to the band to something in front like a kettle a heavy kettlebell or something of the sort so it's actually kind of coming down like a 45 degree angle or so as opposed to being straight down because it was like i was like stepping back and i had this you know big barbell and i was trying it was just like it wasn't good but so so that would be an, an option uh for certain exercises is actually like st- place the band to an anchor about like what like 45 degrees in front or how would what are the other options or implementations of that?
1: Yeah, so 45 degrees attached to a kettlebell. So if you think of like a deadlift or a squat, if it's around your feet, it's going to go lax in the band, which um, isn't going to help at all because it's no longer anchoring down. So if you uh, put it on a kettlebell in front of you, and you're folding over essentially, so it's lining up better with that um, line of resistance. Uh, that's what I would do for, you know, things like squatting, Deadlifting, uh,
0: like you said, shoulder press—if that feels better. Yeah, the shoulder press is tough because I had to step back off of off of to you know to pick the bar up from the rack and like step back, and it was just a lot of it was just a lot of like you mm-hmm. know like noise you know, trying to keep it all sorted out. Um, all right, that's very interesting. Um, the uh, and and breathing mechanics. What's what are some cues for breathing mechanics that you've learned to be helpful? for feats of strength like that's something that so an example of something that i learned at some point was that a weightlifting belt wasn't to provide support a weightlifting belt is to is to create feedback for you to create your own support and that's like that was like when that clicked it was like first like so glaringly obvious but then also like oh my god like everything has changed from this point forward um is that can you kind of explain what you've learned along the way of, of leveraging breath to create support. So I don't usually
1: cue breathing during an exercise for someone, Hmm. but what I will do is put someone on the ground, stick a finger or my fist into their belly and have them breathe into it, push it out, let it come in.
0: Or just push it out. It doesn't it doesn't need to be breathing. It's just creating that outward pressure. It doesn't need to actually be like that your lungs are filling with air, but it's 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 augmenting pressure within your torso.
1: Yeah. So automatically they will adjust the way they breathe and use the respiration to help keep that tension. Yeah. And that's more so I think um, breathing is another thing that people can get a bit too locked into and overthink during exercises So I try not to place that cognitive load onto them. Um, Mm. But yeah, the, the feeling of creating that brace and that tension with the breath, I'm always poking people. Yeah. During a lift poke here Mm. and then they'll, they'll kind of create that pressure. So I'll, I'll use tactile feedback more, more so.
0: Could a person poke themselves? Like how does a person find their own tactile feedback to understand if they're leveraging their internal pressure systems effectively?
1: Yeah, I mean, find that like V line, like obliques, jam your like thumb in there, and take your other hand and push it in further, and then see if you can squeeze that out, and maybe breathe there for a minute. Um, Even just breathing with a medicine ball in your gut is is nice. (laughs) It feels nice. Uh, Get stuff moving. Another option would be to wear a belt and place like a lacrosse ball or something in there for feedback targeted in the place you want it there's usually some side if you check those obliques that is harder to contract than the other side i found with
0: most people so that's an easy place to um, get quick feedback and a really great way to downregulate the nervous system as well so something that's gorgeous like before bed or something of the sort like that like slow deep particularly work in around the the guts like visceral manipulation is a term a whole category of essentially like massage therapy called this for manipulation. And then it's interesting within that, there was, uh, there's been a bunch of research around like chewing gum being supportive for also downregulation, mm. uh, just calming the nervous system. And that was one of the things that you cited in your program as well was the, the suppression of the activation of the HPA axis, which is kind of like kind a signal of the way that our body deals with stress um down regulating the activation of that cascade as a product of using the the jaw which is which is kind of an interesting interesting thing you know that that is, is there is, have you can you say anything more about that how it ties into also the way that you feel so i'm not sure the mechanism
1: it could be that system saying like people say if you're nasal breathing your mouth is usually closed Mm-hmm. Um, if you're keeping that tongue on the um, roof of your mouth, there's studies showing that wearing a mouthpiece during like distance running, heart rate was lower. And then mm-hmm. the just from the small kind of groups who we've had try with it, everyone perceives uh, less effort during the exercise. And I wonder if that has to do with mm-hmm. just um, biasing the parasympathetic nervous system with that mouth closed, especially something that feedback of an, uh, a mouthpiece or a towel or something to bite onto. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but there is definitely something perceptual that feels better and more relaxed while doing it.
0: Yeah. What, what about clenching the feet on the ground during a squat, for example, compared to relaxing the feet? You know, or clenching the hands on the ground during a, a push-up. You know, like the like, the, the... like, what's right? What's If you want to create strength, you know, if you're doing a handstand, one of the cues would be, like, you're essentially, like, your knuckles are turning white because you're, like, grabbing the shit out of the ground. You can kind of see your kind of knuckles coming up, and it's, like, literally, like, you're grabbing a hunk out of the ground. Mm-hmm. What have you found to be the most effective for... Um, Organization or orientation of the hands during a push up and organization or orientation of the feet during a, a squat or deadlift or anything that you want to do that's like strong. So, I don't personally
1: teach gripping the ground, but I do think the weight distribution, uh, for lack of a better term, just the direction of energy. So, I guess rolling through the hand, like if we think of a, a punch and this kind of internal rotation that you're sending your hand, yeah. if you're doing push-ups and you kind of roll from the outside, uh, like the PC form bone right here on the outside of your palm, where you want to like pop people in the face, yeah. yeah, rolling that into the two inside knuckles right here, index yeah. and middle finger. Like there's this line that we rock and move through closed chain and the same mm-hmm. thing for the feet. We have this outside edge of the feet and then inside edge of the feet. So depending on the movement, I cue that a lot, like feel pressure on the inside of the feet. Um, or if we're doing something cyclical, maybe it's like, especially hands, you know, think of that waving of the pressure with the reps. Yeah. And that kind of ties in back to torque, external torque. I'm going to go more outside. Internal torque is more inside for hands and feet.
0: Yeah. And that'll that'll naturally create like a tenting of the, the, you know, the arch of the foot or arch of the hand as well, having that kind of rotational type movement in there. Um, well cool man. Uh, we got a I, I have a, a pickleball appointment in 20, 23 minutes. <laughs> Everybody's playing um, pickleball. You oh fun dude got yeah. pickleball pickle. Yeah, it's fun. It's good. I like pickleball. Um, yeah. the so is there any other kind of like last like strong man wisdom that you've kind of garnered over the years of your research and exploration of just like some weird shit to, to leave for people or leave for, for me? Like, how do I get, how do I get stronger? I'll tell people (laughs) something that we've moved away from
1: in the movement culture where we like to express ourselves artistically is just, um, just the pump, just Mm, bodybuilding. Gotta get the pump. The mind muscle connection. (laughs) I, I think that's, so, you know, it comes from bodybuilding, so we, we, we tend to poo poo it, but the mind muscle connection in the pump, I think is a very valuable tool hmm. uh, to offer people and to utilize. Once again, beyond position, biomechanics and form, I think being able to voluntarily contract and put tension into more parts of your body, more tissues yeah. of your body, I think is yeah. very valuable. People who could do that, people who could kind of isolate individual heads of muscles and flex. um, I think that's a key thing, flex muscles without having to take their joint into a certain place in order to find tension there.
0: It's like learning how to do the titty dance when you're 13.
1: And that's an easy one. Yeah, that's why pecs is a great one because a lot of people can instantaneously connect to that. Okay, we all have pecs.
0: That's a big day in every young person's oh. life when they learn how to do the titty day, and you
1: never stop. You hopefully you never, never stop, stop.
0: <laughs> dude. I'm doing it right now.
1: <laughs> I I felt it It came across the screen, and I started doing it. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's
0: true. That is that is a virtuous characteristic. Like bodybuilders, like like poo and bodybuilders. It's like ugh, it's kind of not trendy anymore. But that is a very beautiful. That I, I now I understand what you're saying with the mind muscle connection. Just having that relationship to be able to tap into like soleus medial head of gastrocnemius like that's like a pretty cool thing to have that level of relationship with you know the entirety of your body and then you could say get into like maybe heart maybe organs maybe pelvic floor you know yeah, and then you get into like ta- tantra and like sexuality and sensuality and then maybe you start to change your augment your blood pressure augment temperature on the back of your hand like a monk it's all the same shit. It's all the same shit. It's just deepening the relationship with the body and, you know, the whole just somatic experience.
1: Right, right. And that is, so that's the foundation of all these old time strongmen's practices. If you look at what they were giving to people, they were performing feats of strength as like their job ours like, look what I can do. And they said, okay, what's your training? And it was literally, a an advanced version of posing practice, they were just flexing, it was called muscle control, you know, that's what a lot of them swore by. So it's very old. And I think um, when you're able to flex more muscles, and then you take that into movement, range of motion becomes something very different. (laughs) Right? It's not just where can I put my joints in space? If you're moving through that tension, um, you know, this is kind of big in martial arts, other things like that. Uh, I think that's where, um, you can really affect change and, and build a practice you could do for the rest of your life. That's becomes richer and richer and hopefully brings you a deeper connection to your body.
0: Thanks so much for making time to do this, man. I really enjoyed getting, to we've, we've known each other on the internet for the last, I don't know, while. And so it's cool to get to finally actually, actually connect. Um, where I, I, if people are interested in going deeper into this, you have the the what is the the bite training course called? The uh, Predator Protocol. Predator Protocol, yeah. So that's I mean I'm I'm going to be talking about. I think I'm going to do like a little like mini bite training thing in the in the program that I'm going to do. But a lot of it I'm essentially just directly borrowing from you, and I want to be able to instill my little version of it because I've been enjoying messing with it. But I think that's a great place if you want to go like deeper into that um i really enjoy checking it out i appreciate really appreciate you sharing it with me um where do people find that
1: yeah, very cool i look forward to you playing around with it i love it um yeah yeah so if you want to head to um my instagram at strong camps uh i have a link tree there you can see all my courses we have the predator program for the bite training uh free webinar talking about all the kind of research behind it and also a uh, course which goes on on how I teach uh, that <laughs> torque concept and mm-hmm. the dynamic isometric mind, muscle control practice
0: that I use. Uh, so yeah, so those are on there. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Let me know if you come out to Austin, Texas um oh i'm kind of actually i got a little torque thing right now i've been torquing a thing this whole time you've been tor- this is, this you is, didn't even know you're talking i've been time. torquing this whole time <laughs> <just> now realizing <laughs> putting language this dildo floppy blue dildo thing that i twist around during conversations um thanks so much i really enjoyed this uh thank you all for tuning in and um that's it that's all appreciate you over now. Peace. thanks man guys enjoyed that conversation as i mentioned in the introduction we will be launching the line method online program and it contains the tips and tools for you to be able to understand how to find full functional range of motion of every joint in your body and also take some of the traditional bodybuilding exercises that produce great aesthetics uh, and start to integrate them into natural human movement so being able to walk run squat lunge hinge throw and uh, all those fun motions that we see on instagram that can be found in the align podcast community that's at alignpodcast.com slash community there's also a ton of great free exclusive content that is only shared there and uh, i'm in there each day popping in answering questions we do lives it's a great community there's about 1300 people in there now and i appreciate you guys joining in so it's totally free over at linepodcast.com slash community thank you for subscribing thanks for leading us reviews uh, if you tag myself or dj on Instagram uh, and share this episode. We appreciate it. We might share your post. I'm over at Lime Podcast. He's over at Strong Camps. That's it. That's all. I'll see you next week.